poops and dupes. Yeah, that's that's how I'm gonna start the episode off. So, David. Yep. It's been a long time. It has. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. It's been like a month. Yeah. Well, I think it's been. It might have been a month since I really since we released an episode too, right? Uh, I well, I posted about mine just the other day though. <laughs> Oh, well, that's fun. Because I got that forgetting because we've been busy, so I just forgot to even post about it. Yeah, I've been super busy, too. I've been taking vacations. I did Comic-Con. I went to Jamaica. Yeah. Let's yeah. let's let's hear about that. Let's hear about Comic-Con. Comic-Con was actually boring this year. There wasn't really? a whole bunch of stuff that came out that I was super excited about. Um, uh, I think everybody was excited about the Marvel announcements, but me, I... I think ever since like Marvel kicked off into like the cinematic universe, I haven't been super excited for the movies to come out, but I have been like excited to watch them. It's weird. Like I'm not really like mm-hmm. looking at the schedule like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till next spring. Yeah, but I, when I the could, movie, yeah, I'm when the movies like, come out, I'm like, less. I'm like, I'm gonna see it. Yes, but yeah. I'm not like, I don't know. I'm not waiting for the movies to come out. I'm just like, oh shoot. Spider-Man's out. I guess I should go watch that. Yeah, it's kind of become a just a. It's what you do. Oh, it came out. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go do that. But I don't really care what order it comes out. So, yeah. I can see that. I totally get that. But there's no there like besides Marvel, there was nothing else. Um, DC's uh, fumbling over itself. I don't know. They didn't really have too many announcements. Yeah, I, don't, I have no clue what they announced at all. Uh, well, I think they showed off a poster a week before uh, about the the new Wonder Woman 1984. I think that's pretty cool. They showed off a poster, um, and that but that wasn't for Comic Con, so that was different. That was sarcastic, anyway. Yeah, but it looks cool. I guess the poster looks very psychedelic, kind of uh, very retro 80s kind of yeah. dealio. But it, we've known that for a long time. True, true. This is so not about what we're talking about. It doesn't really matter. Podcast. <laughs> the thing is, I wanted to start off this episode by kind of apologizing because it has been a long time in between episodes. We were really consistent for a while there. Um, I do take my vacations every every summer though, and that interfered in me being lazy and not planning well enough. I didn't preload episodes, and yeah, it's a it's a whole. I deal. mean. We are up to like 50 listeners or something like that, so... Yeah, I apologize to all 50 of you. <laughs> um, if it's yeah. 51, then whatever. Yeah, and we missed last Monday for a release of another episode, but I didn't get back from Jamaica until like late night on the Saturday, and Sunday I pretty much slept all day, so... That's okay, I wasn't ready anyway. Okay, yeah. So, that being said, we are back. And we're back in earnest. Yeah. So we didn't even talk about what I was doing. I oh. Wasn't just, I wasn't just sitting on my whatever. Took us? Took us. Yes. Um, what were you doing <laughs> in, during this break time? Because I was going to completely just ignore you. <laughs> so we, uh, like, two months back, it took us, like, three days to decide we we're going to sell our house. Mm-hmm. And so in the last two months, pretty much I go to work. I get off work, I go home, and be working on the house, like, just every freaking day. Oh, you're my just, gosh. You're just cleaning it up? Cleaning it, painting it, uh, patching holes, like, taking out the drywall, and then put a new piece of drywall in, and meshing that together, 
That's and then fun. we painted all the trim, and then we put laid down sod ourselves, and then well, actually I was at work when that happened, but my wife and my dad did it. So yeah, don't take credit <laughs> for things. <laughs> well, I did some of it though. When I got home, I had to I had to do a little bit, okay, but uh, okay. yeah, it's it's been a it's been a chore. And then our house has been on the market for like two weeks, and our our real estate agent was super cocky, and he was all like. He's like, okay, we're going to have an open house this weekend on the first weekend. And we're going to take offers on Tuesday. And we're like, well, what if there's no offers? And he's like, there will be offers. Was there any offers? There's no offers. So we were very much sad pandas. And then Why uh, pandas? Why not just a sad person? I don't know. I don't know where that came from. We should look at the origin of it during the break. The entomology of that phrase. Of sad pa- I think it's a, I think it's an anime thing. Let's see. Keep on talking about selling a house because that seems interesting (laughs) (laughs) as I roll my eyes. Well, it was a segue in the saying that my house is up for sale. That's my segue. They're talking about Final Fantasy IV. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I'm not. Nope. It worked. um, Nope. I don't like it. All right. Well, do you want to think of something else that has to do with number four? Hmm. You want to talk about a four-leaf clover? You want to talk about almost a four-week break that we took in between Ooh, these Oh, there episodes. we go. Sorry about the four-week break. Wow. The phrase sad panda originated from South Park episode Sexual Harassment Panda, which aired in oh. 1999. In this episode, kids were introduced to sexual harassment panda in order to learn how to recognize it and prevent it in school while explaining to the class about sexual harassment. Sexual harassment panda describes instances of after saying which how it makes him a sad panda. Yeah, maybe you stop using that now. <laughs> it's not. Well, I mean, you know how that's how the English language works. So like it kind of morphs into something else. Right. So, And the more you know. There you go. What was that source from since you read directly from it? Knowyourmeme.com. There you go. So we're going to talk about... (laughs) Knowyourmeme.com. Nice. Uh, So we're going to talk about Final Fantasy IV today. And let's just start talking about it. So. (laughs) Okay. Let's dive right in, (laughs) my dude. All right. Um, One second, though. Oh, geez. Wait, are we not pausing? Do I... Oh, my gosh. Do I just keep on talking? Maybe you do. Whatever. Okay. So I'll just talk about it. Uh, so Final Fantasy IV released in 1991. Uh, it was originally FF4 was planned for the NES and was almost like 80% done. Uh, it was a, like it was a completely different game, the one that they were planned for the NES. And I'm assuming that the Final Fantasy IV we got would have been Final Fantasy V for the Super Nintendo. Uh, but due to budgeting restraints, which is a little bit confusing because... Final Fantasy games were actually getting them quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they scrapped the NES, NES version, uh, but they they did take some of the ideas from it and they put it into the the current Final Fantasy IV that we know and love. Some love. of us. Um, so, would you say that Final Fantasy IV, and I guess it's really heavily opinion based, uh, would you say that Final Fantasy IV is like the genesis of the epic Final Fantasies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things it seems like the first thing you'll notice like right off the bat with Final Fantasy IV is that the intro is heavily cinematic, which probably lends to the reason why you like it so much. Like, 
the like the the the, the ships airships mm, okay. everything the music everything super cinematic it's very right. like oh no the the story is already started and you're just you're in it you're on for yeah the you're ride. thrown into it every other final fantasy prior to tend to do the like the, the ramp pre-roll. up yeah. yeah and then they gave you little things here and there little things here and there oh it looks like there's actually something affecting the world and you need to be part of it i think two well, kind of did the same thing yeah two did kind of the same thing and in, in a way like it kind of felt like Final Fantasy IV is more of a sequel to Final Fantasy II. Yeah, if that makes any three, sense. Like three was a sandbox. And, yeah, but it was a very good sandbox. I'm still playing it. Like to <laughs> like ever since I started replaying it for the podcast, um, I haven't really stopped. I play it in between playing Final Fantasy fourteen, Diablo, and Monster Hunter. That's a lot of games. I play a lot of games. I only play one at once. I just beat one of the, the one I was playing though. Which one? I was playing uh, Tales of... Wait, wait. It's either... Oh, Berseria. You beat Tales of Berseria already? Yeah. How was that? It. They could call it um, Tales of Backtracking. Ooh. Because I've never played a game with so much freaking backtracking. Well, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, speaking of backtracking, Final Fantasy IV doesn't really have backtracking. No, it does not. It, Final Fantasy It propels you very... through the story. Oh, yeah. man. Talk about like rocket boosters on your mm-hmm. back. Like this game, like from the get go, yeah. you're moving from city to city. There is one part where you do have to come back to one of the cities. Um, but it's different because so when you get back to that castle or city, now you, you can get to route. place. Yeah, you go a different yeah. route and there's more places that you can access that you've never been able to access before. Which, to be honest, is still kind of a hallmark of backtracking. But in this case, because there was actually story reasons for being back mm-hmm. there. And again, like you were saying, the, the area was completely different. You act, So you went back to the castle, but you actually didn't get to the part in the castle you'd been to before until you went into a completely different dungeon you've never been to before. So it's kind of, I don't know. And not just that, there's been enough time in between. Like, like it's the first place you visit. So yeah. for some reason, it doesn't feel like backtracking because you don't spend that much time in this first area. Your oh, first no, no, you pretty much get kicked out of the first area yeah. almost as soon as you start there. Yeah. And then you go back like 10, 15 hours later. Mm-hmm. So. so it doesn't really, it doesn't have that backtracking feel to me. But you're saying, you're saying Berseria is all back and forth. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh. Yes. There's, there's just tons. Like you have a base and you're like, and after every mission, they're like, oh, let's go back to the base. Let's go back to the base. Oh, there's events inside the base. Let's go deal with those events in the same place that you keep on dealing with events. Have you ever played Final Fantasy fourteen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. 14. Oh, like, actually, I did for like five minutes or something. It's funny. I mean, it's not necessarily stuck to 14. I played the original Final Fantasy fourteen Before Realm Reborn? Yeah, when I was at E3, I played the demo for it. Nice. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think this is MMOs in general. They always tend to have hub cities and mm-hmm. they, they always make you go back to them. But, you know quests yeah. so uh so i'm sure you know this but uh final fantasy 2 was when it first came out in the u.s it was actually or sorry final fantasy 4 when it first came out in the u.s it was named final fantasy 2 right because they thought that the u.s well they thought that the the u.s would be confused if all of a sudden they went from final fantasy 1 and then went to final fantasy 4 yeah because they didn't release two or they didn't release two or three mm-hmm. at all in the u.s until way later on yeah because uh well because the the process they get them translated and everything what 
took a lot longer. And so they were, I mean, they were chugging along with Final Fantasy 2 and 3. Well, there are, there's a lot of games that got translated because all they had to translate was the menus. Or, yeah, and yeah. Final Fantasies are very text-heavy text heavy games. So it's it's kind of stands to reason that they're, they're not going to be a small undertaking. So mm-hmm. I can kind of see how that would be like, okay, these are kind of our minor Final Fantasies. They did well in Japan, but we're not really sure how well they'll do in America considering the, mar- uh, the games that are on the market. So maybe we don't translate them. So uh, my, my buddy growing up, like he's he's super stubborn. Like every time I talk about Final Fantasy Four, he's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Oh, you mean Final Fantasy Two? I'm like, "No, dude." But, and I explained the whole thing, and he's like, "No, it's effing Final Fantasy Two." <laughs> like, dude, calm down. Some people are just stubborn like that. You can't really help them. <laughs> he always says, "We don't live in Japan." I'm like. The thing is, the game has been released as Final Fantasy IV in the U.S. Multiple times. Multiple yeah, oh, my gosh. So, so many times now. So now, and now that 2 and 3 have also been released, and 5, that means now all of them are should be able to be referred to in their actual chronological order. Um, Maybe we should make him play the actual Final Fantasy II. And yeah, and then he will never say Final Fantasy II. he's like, I'm so again. confused. I'm still playing that on my phone, though. They'll probably say that the Super Nintendo version is a way better version of Final Fantasy II. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, so, not just the... There was, there was actually some other differences between uh, the Japanese and American version of Final Fantasy IV. Okay. Uh, the U.S. version was actually dumbed down because Square... Well, Squaresoft at the time. They're all Square Enix. Uh, they believe that the original was too difficult for American audiences. Makes sense. Um, most Japanese games are panned down for the U.S. because we're dumb. <laughs> um, not as much. Not not nearly as much. Like, well, they even well, did it with Super, it's a, it's Super Mario Brothers. Thing. Yeah, it's, that's but what it's that a lost, common thing, though. That Lost Worlds, or lot, there was like the the Mario Brothers collection, and mm-hmm. they had the Lost Worlds. Yeah. And those were worlds that were in the Japanese version that they deemed too difficult for U.S. I mean... If we're being honest, maybe we are a little bit slower than the Japanese. <laughs> so maybe we needed them down games. I do know that in recent times, though, they've made sure that most of those games are like they have the hardcore mode. Oh, yeah. Like, they well, then the, they have like Dark Souls and, and yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, so well, that's because now difficulty is a feature as opposed to before it was just like unbalanced stuff. So the real messed up part, though, is they uh, released the U.S. version of Final Fantasy 4 in Japan, mm-hmm. and they called it Final Fantasy 4 Easy. Yep. It might as well have been Mystic Quest. <laughs> which is technically Final Fantasy Easy Mode. That's it, what they wanted. Like, it was the Final Fantasy 4 Beginners. That's what they said. Even on the case, I believe. Oh, really? Yes. We're going to do more... an episode on Mystic Quest, just so oh, you know. Geez. All right. We're going to. It's <laughs> going to be great. I don't think it's... Well, okay. Then we'll talk about it then. It might be... Actually, you know what? It might be a mini episode. Okay. That'll it's work. Not, not a whole bunch to talk about, but it's it's a fun fun little ditty. It's it's kind of weird talking about Final Fantasy IV and I, like, I'm like explaining these things to you, but I already know you know it. Like, for you're instance... you're not explaining to me. I know. It's just kind of weird. Uh, like, for instance, the, the translation, the original translation was not the best. And... Uh, but some of it um, they kept... Once they re-released it, such mm-hmm. as Spoonie Bard. If it, what was it, it originally of, translated as? I have, you know what? I have no clue. Hmm. You could look that up. I could. Maybe later. Maybe later. <laughs> but uh, since it would kind of become 
it kind of became iconic, kind of a pulp, pop, pop culture thing. Mm-hmm. The Spoonie Bard <laughs> poop culture, Is poop culture. Uh, so surprisingly, the original team was only consisted of about 14, 14 people and took less than a year to make. Really? Yeah. Okay. Look at these little gangsters putting together <laughs> this crazy stuff. That's yeah, pretty good. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot easier to make games. Back in the day. Actually, I think it was a lot harder to make games back in the day. There's no way it wasn't. The, I mean, I'm sure they didn't have as many like graphical tools. As yeah, it's probably, it's, probably, it's probably graphics. I mean, that's probably what it mostly is. I mean, it's much easier to draw these sprites instead of these fully realized 3D characters as they try to, you know, get past the Uncounty Valley and all that. Yeah, I can see that. I don't. It doesn't have like what the original translation for the Spoonie Bard was, or what the actual full like one to one translation was. It just talks about it's uh, kind of a, a cultural thing that sunk in. The word Spoonie means enamored in a silly or sentimental way, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because it doesn't really like fit. But the term is considered archaic and blah, blah, blah. Limited size of battle dialogue. Ah, that's why. Oh, that's why? Yeah, it oh. influenced the decision for that translation. Which is funny because, do you remember, um, I want to say it was four. No, it was pretty much every Final Fantasy where like they shortened all the, the names of spells. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, they yeah, they changed, like, well, for instance, in this one, um, I see... It's a little confusing. Oh no, this is a different situation. They changed the the name of the spell holy, mm-hmm. but in the original it was called white, mm-hmm. but for religious reasons. Yeah, which is kind of weird. I mean, holy is not like some crazy. Holy is not um, directly associated with a specific deity. No. Yeah, but divinity in general is a hotbed subject. So. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, I know. Oh, that's what happens when America gets stuff, and we have to heavily censor everything because we're afraid of hurting somebody's feelings. If you really look, think about it. A lot of our translations and censorship issues when they're coming, when bringing Japanese games to the mm-hmm. U.S. is definitely due to the fact that somebody's reading the translation, somebody's doing their work on the translation, and they realize somebody might take offense to this, and so we have to take it out. There, it's to a point now where there's like certain or a lot of people use like uh, like VPN tunnels or whatever so they can play games in other regions mm-hmm. and then they realize the changes um, mm-hmm. from the like the Japanese right. version to the American version and they'll they'll call companies out on it like hey why did you think it was necessary to take this out it seems a little weird why are, why are we censoring um, high heels or something like. It, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, because well, is that something that got censored? No, not necessarily. But there's other things that's actually a little bit more easily explained as to why they get censored out. But people are like, there's no reason why you should. Again, if you think about it, a lot of things in Japanese games, they're not as uh, prudish about um, sexuality, right? So they just leave a lot of things in. A lot of their writers are very open about certain things, and when it comes to the U.S., we're not as open. And so we get a lot of stuff censored. It makes kind of sense that they would, uh, they'd have to, well, first in this case, they're thinking about what'll fit in a box. Um, and 
won't mess up their interface. Right. And then on top of that, they're thinking, hmm, if we say holy, most people think holy and they're thinking about God. Mm. And so maybe we do something else. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird. I feel like considering the time that it came out, it was less of a big deal. Man, you would think. Of course, um, of course, they, like games were were new water, you know, realistically. Even though, true. even though it was, I think the NES was probably out for five years before the SNES came out, but right. it was still new water to be treaded. Yeah. So by a holy deity who did not sink into the water, just walked upon it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so hey, we're gonna take a quick break. Okay. And we're back talking about Final Fantasy IV. Do you want to you want to want to hint towards what we talked about during the break and how it had nothing to do with Final Fantasy? Oh yeah, IV? yeah, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so we're just talking about Marvel and the boys and Umbrella Academy and how like they have this good balance of what's well, actually realistically the boys and Umbrella Academy are kind of filling the void of the Netflix Marvel shows, mm-hmm. but uh, with the greediness and whatnot. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Final Fantasy Four, but then we had like a really good conversation about that, and we're like, "But here's how it ties in." Oh, okay. You ready? You okay. Ready? Blow my mind. All of these things are coming at the behest of Phase Four of the <laughs> MCU. Ha <laughs> 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 Good job. Yep. Um, so, man, Final Fantasy Four, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're gonna talk about about uh, gameplay. Yeah. So let's, let's start off with the first big thing. Starts with an A, ends with a B. Ab- Middle letter Zab- is T. Oh, A T B. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, did you do you know do you know how uh, like he came up with the idea for the A T B? Is this another sports metaphor? Yeah. Really? Yeah, well, kind of. Okay. What is it? It's it's he got it from watching Formula One racing, which makes. No sense to me. It still makes no sense to me either. <laughs> I don't know if he's like, ooh, the car just did a lap. Now it's on another lap. Yeah, That actually kind of makes sense, though. Okay. Because if you think about it, the, the turn system in ATB does have to do with laps. And if you press, if you put haste on somebody, you can uh, oh, lap, you can lap somebody else oh, and, yeah. and make their turn. That, oh, boom. Yeah, boom. thank you for coming Literally up with that on blown. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, we don't really know if that's how he came up with it or like right. his thought process. But the thing is, if they illustrate it the same way as they do in games like uh, Grandia, it might be closer to the Formula One thing. Right, that makes sense. And they just put they just put everybody's portraits on a loop, and then they move according to their agility scores and whatnot. Fun stuff. Wow, that's he's such a smart battle designer. Yeah, I, and you know what? I think I'm also a smart battle designer to recognize it because I also do the same thing for mine. Pow, 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 pow. That's what, what what did you oh the toot your own horn that's right yeah wow <laughs> all right Anyways. so the ATB system yes sir discuss talk so, about it so in the previous iterations of Final Fantasy we dealt with a very turn um solid turn based uh combat where you did a turn moved on to the next one there was no illustration as to who was going to be next in well, the turn order there not just that. It was, it was more like a strategy RPG where you have your own players select all their moves, mm-hmm. and then you say execute. Right, um, and that kind of led to a little bit of randomness. But at the same time, if you play, 
if you paid attention to certain stats, you can almost kind of predict who was going to be the first right. one to attack, yeah, who was going to be the last one. And uh, Final Fantasy three, one of the things. And it seems like it was always the monsters that attacked first. Sometimes. Um, but if you did it right, you would figure out the people who attacked first. You would figure out the people who attacked last. If you need to revive right. somebody, the last person to attack would be the person to revive. So that way, when you start the next turn, if you know the first person to attack, yeah, you have I, them I, to heal, kill I them. I remember and, that. And so. move. Yeah. It's a, it lends to a very, like you said, strategy RPG. It's a very mm. strategy-based thing. Now, with ATB, though, by visualizing how turns are actually like put into, put into place, um, the monsters didn't have ATB, um, but they did flash right with, before they were about to start doing something. And um, so you kind of had like a kind of a hint <laughs> that they were about to do something. But it, Not that you have any time to do anything about it, but right. thanks um, for letting us know. <laughs> exactly. Um, Actually, it might have been more of just an indicator hey, this is the one tacking instead of, like, just HP just flashes on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a uh, nice thing about ATB is that you could kind of gauge who was going to be next to attack in your party. Right. Um, and then when they attack, instead of waiting for everybody to select their commands like you were in the previous ones, they immediately did their thing. If, in the Final Fantasy IV, if they didn't have to charge, that is to say, a regular attack, instantly attacks right an item instantly is used mm-hmm. um and spells then, take a little bit spells, of time yeah. spells had a charge so if you think about the atb moving left to right to indicate um to indicate that the um when the turn was was going to start because um, once the bar fills up then that means that that person was available to attack and then the charge would be a different color and it usually flowed the no didn't do did it do the opposite way or did it just flow again over that might be in the in the remake. Uh, flow the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, either way, there was another. Uh, there was a bar on top of the bar that showed I, you. I uh, guess we should mention color. that. So when Will played it last, he played it on he played it on Steam, which is basically the 3DS 3D remake version. Yes. Um, uh, that being said, there was a, there's still another level of strategy to be added to an ATB-based system. Um, being that I have worked in ATB and tried to design battle systems around it, it's probably one of the harder ones to um, to balance because instead of dealing with a defined uh, turn order, you're dealing with uh, ticks, which means that you're dealing with like individual seconds or frames, depending on how the gate how 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 the the speed of the gauge is calculated. Right. And it means that everything is constantly calculating, like, uh, how fast that bar is moving and then having to... The thing is, there's a hidden bar on all the monsters as well, and that's based on certain stats and whatnot. Um, They're hard to balance because of how charges work or because of how charging certain attacks works. And then also because you most games that have ATB bars, but even Final Fantasy IV when it first came out, they have a an uh, option to wait, right, or active. And wait would mean that when you're selecting your command from the command menu or whatever, it would specifically like if you hit, if you're in the main regular menu like fight, spell, yada yada, like does, times, yeah, times still active, goes, yeah, yeah. But if you are in the spell menu or the item menu then it would wait for you to figure out where the heck that stuff is effectively everything was put on pause yeah Mm -hmm. while you were doing that now that's only if you select wait if you select active then it becomes a i need to know where all my spells are 
how the quickest get to them and to be able to do it as that. I know that there's some people that swear by playing on active, which I can't get by because I'm not that quick with the menus. The reason why I like Final Fantasies mainly is because they are turn-based, not necessarily. It's not action-based. Yeah, it's not action-based. Yeah. So, so it was a little weird for me. Um, I still haven't played a Final Fantasy through an active uh, mode. I've always played them in wait. Um, yeah, the ATB system, though, it definitely uh, signified that first that there's more power in the systems that they were working on mm-hmm. going from nintendo super nintendo um also if you really look at it going from nintendo super nintendo um they upgraded a lot of the animations like all that kind of stuff it was like hey look what we can do and just having these moving gauges in general is something that nobody's doing let's right. sh- let's show them how it's done um and they're constantly moving it's weird it's like a it's such a small thing on the screen but from uh from a player's perspective it adds like even in the super nintendo era or even now if you look back at the super nintendo it adds action to a system that was otherwise kind of otherwise you're like select action sit back watch but now you're active you're active participant in the battle by the way we did not i don't know if we mentioned what uh, atb stands for it's active time battle we did not um so that being said like that is in the name they're just like yeah. we wanted it to make it seem more because if you really think about it uh a turn-based battle system uh i think goes back as far as certain things like uh like dungeons and dragons and maybe even further than that mm-hmm. and one of the things i was reading about dungeons and dragons is that when you're taking actions all of these things are like a battle might take you guys two hours to go through but the actual time occupied by the battle itself like if they were to speed up through all of your decision making and stuff like that would probably take five minutes yeah and they were saying like each turn is like a couple seconds at that it's the reason why like the dm has to tell you if you're going to say something to a party member as like a bonus action it has to be a couple of words it can't be any longer than that because technically this time is occupied by this turn is like three seconds or something like right. that. So you have to say, get down. That's all you can say. Not get down. I see an attack coming. It's going to approximately hit you at around, you know, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- if you think about it, we went from, uh, we went from kind of the D and D way of, of doing battles to moving into the modern era and saying, Hey, what if we made time a l- like actually visible and not just assumed Right, and by giving that gauge again, it adds a lot more action and adds kind of it adds again to Final Fantasy IV being one of the more cinematic uh, Final Fantasies or the start of the cinematic Final Fantasies. That makes just sense. by having that having that go. I agree. It's fun <laughs> stuff. It's no, fun that stuff. I mean that's that's a good take on it. I yeah, I never really thought about it that way. Um, so, what is the best thing that happened to Final Fantasies? From three to four. What was the most annoying part about Final Fantasy three? Oh my gosh, spell slots. Oh no, close. Oh, it starts with an S. Spell slots. <laughs> <laughs> Saving. Save spots. There's save yeah. spots in dungeons now. Yes. They, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's huge. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> So one of the things that I think we talked about a lot in Final Fantasy 3 is that it was one of those games where we recommend it, but at the same time, 
only for people who are willing to punish themselves. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, and I think so many there there must have been so many complaints about that. But then also people praising the difficulty and kind yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you have somebody from each camp, you know. But if I'm being completely honest, Final Fantasy IV did kind of seem like it uh, tried to take a step back and not necessarily dumb down the difficulty, but didn't make it, tried to make it more accessible. You know what else though? It all I didn't really think about this, but it also makes it easier to design a boss battle because you can anticipate that the party's going to be at full strength. Mm-hmm. You can actually give them all of their abilities and not assume that they used all of them to get down to the dungeon. Right. So now maybe the boss should be able to so be they defeated go, by regular attacks. Yeah, you yeah. can go all out yeah. on this boss. And so you yep. can kind of up the difficulty get difficulty because of that. And it added a sense of checkpoints in the dungeons. Mm-hmm. And even and like you don't have to go... Actually, I mean, that's a, that's a big part. Like, you know, in all the game design books, they're always like, oh, you got to make it... Well, they say that you should be able to make it so you can save anywhere. Which yes, that's that's debatable. Yeah, that's debatable. It 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 does not help balancing when you can save anywhere. It doesn't help with um, sometimes with the flow of the game because if you can save anywhere, again, if it's a mobile platform, saving anywhere is a, is an ideal I, thing. I guess. Well, I guess the, the later Final Fantasies had it right though, because you could do you could basically save anywhere. But it was almost like you're doing, um, oh, what the heck is it called? Safe scumming. Uh, what is that? Safe scumming. Yes. Um, if you ever played games like uh, XCOM, mm-hmm. safe scumming would be saving the game, doing an action. Oh, looks like my 13 or my my 90% didn't actually hit. And then you reload the game. You play it again. 90% hits. It's safe scumming. That's oh. all. Well, I just mean like a, it's, a, it's a, oh my gosh, why can't I think of the word? It's like a, it's just that moment, you know, it's not like taking you to a specific spot. It doesn't give you any advantage. You can't like, you can't save at any time and then it gives you an advantage in battle because you end up right where you saved. Right. Instead of like, oh, I've saved here. I can play a little bit more mm-hmm. and then I can learn from that. Like you can only stop it that save point. And you start right at the exact point. Right. The nice thing about Final Fantasy fourteen save, save state. Points. Oh my gosh, save state. That's why that's from emulating. Well, it's I mean programming too. Right. Well, I mean, in, but usually it does they don't implement that in in, in uh, right. That's not what it's called. But it's a good game it's a good reference or way to put yeah. it. So, um, one of the things I liked about the fort uh, the fourteen well the Final Fantasy four save <laughs> points is the is the fact that they allowed you to use like tents and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So not only were you just saving it, you were saving it. And if you prepared, then you could actually heal up because these right. save points did not heal you. Um, later games would would implement save points that when you touch them, they heal you. Or right, right. They, yeah, they fully heal you. But well, I don't know if any Final Fantasy... I can't think of any Final Fantasy games that do that. I know other games do. 10 did. Did it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I can't remember. Um, 10 did it. Uh, Final Fantasy 12 did it. Um, uh, oh, so that must have been something that became popular at the time. Thirteen resets your health every battle, anyways. So yeah. Um, nine. I think you have tens and nine. Yeah, you have tens and nine. So I don't think the safe points did in that. So one. maybe it was just something around that time that someone was saying, "Why are we doing inventory?" Yeah. For this, if you noticed, um, going from three, where. You kind of got like a ton of weapons, ton of everything. Mm-hmm. To four, 
they started to pare down. I think that might have also been the paring down of the inventory as well. They were looking at, we don't want them to be infinitely scrolling, but we do want to provide them with like different types of weapons right. with, and different types of armors. But the, the item, like the... I guess you got a lot of like key items, but not a lot of regular items. They were very like, okay, potion this, 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 and this. Um, there's definitely less. There's there's an excess, but there's not nearly as many as the other one. Yeah. So. Which changed in five, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, I don't remember that part. I have to replay it. Um, so n- something else that's new is that there was five character parties, and actually this is the only. Unless you count 11 and 14. But this is the only Final Fantasy game with five party members. 14 does four. Oh, it does f- oh there is a limit. Um, f- 14 does four. Uh, parties of four. And then I think you can go up to party a party of eight. But that's for a trial. Mm-hmm. And then you can go. It's But it's in, in, in sets of four. Hmm. Yep. I didn't know that. So I guess this is the only one that does five. Um, I don't know about 11. I didn't play it enough. Yeah. Which kind of sucks. When we get to 11, we'll have to do a lot of like ac- <laughs> access research, research yeah, yeah. about that game. Um, <laughs> but 4, uh, so we kind of, I don't know if you were planning on getting to it later or if we were just getting past it, but the skill slot thing was like a whole, um, they went from doing skill slots to doing mana, which... That is only in the remake. So the skill slots, that's the remake. That was not in the original. No, no, I'm saying they did, in Final Fantasy 4, they didn't have... And the original didn't have uh, skill slots either. I, I know. Okay. Uh, but I'm saying, like, my thing was I was happy to go from having to conserve my 12 charges for fire and now oh, deal with you mana. Mean like, you mean, like, the level of how many spells you can have? Yes. The MP. Oh, you're right. We did not talk about that at all. Yeah. That's, so, which is a huge difference. Yes. Um, having mana and having mana that can be restored or MP. Um, that can be restored was like a complete game changer. But yeah. also, it was one of those things that because of the way the ATB system worked, they needed something that could, as I say time and time again, lend to the, the ebb and flow of battle. You need to be able to use, 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 and possibly restore. Now, there's a rarity to uh, to ethers that kind of made them uh, it's something that you can serve um, until until later in the end game, and they right. just kind of just use them all willy nilly. Yeah, I never use them until the very very last ba- bottle. So you're one of those people that gets an elixir, keeps I'm it a all. Hoarder. It's, yeah, I never really hoard. Uh, uh, you see my office? Well, I don't know if you see my office, but I, I like have a whole bunch of empty boxes stored there. Yeah, just like, in I case. might need them. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Actually, I did that at home too. My it drives my wife crazy. So makes sense. So something about that MP that they've added. Um, I was reading the Kotaku ar- article. It was talking about so there's the character called Tella. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> sorry, when it, so my old roommate he decided his his rapper name is Tella C. Okay. And it just reminded me of that. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> so he was talking about the wizard character, sorcerer. I don't really know what his class is. Old man. Old man. Actually, I have it written down right here. What is the class? He is a sage. Okay. And which we learned from the Final Fantasy three that that means that they're a bad A character. OP. OP. Yeah. Uh, so he's so he, his character has forgotten all these spells that he used to know. He has a little bit of amnesia. Mm-hmm. A lot of bit of amnesia. A lot of bit of amnesia, and at some point he regains knowledge of this 
spell. I think it's Meteor. Mm-hmm. But in the game, it's called Meteor. Oh, that's an example. It's Medio. called Meteo in the original. Because there's only space for five, <laughs> five characters. And, uh, and, but you could... But you couldn't use that spell. It was in your inventory, but you only had like... So it cost like 100 MP to use, and your max was 99. Mm-hmm. And he, he was talking about when he originally played it um, when he was a kid, you know, he's thinking about how like you lose all your HP mm-hmm. and your character's technically dead, but if you use a Phoenix Stone or a life spell, like they come back to life. Right. But in order to use this Meteo or spell mm-hmm. you have to expend past your mp mm-hmm. and so he took that as well i guess that's what it means in a final fantasy game if somebody dies they've expended all their mp which i thought that was kind of a cool take yeah it's a because it's a cinematic scene that's the only time that character can use meteor yeah nice thing about tell if we're just going to talk about him for just half a second is that as he levels i believe his hp goes down or something like that he i think lo- it stays the same i he loses a stat though as he mm-hmm. as he levels up because technically he's getting older. Mm-hmm. So it was like this weird backwards thing. Um, he's old as hell. He he is dirt, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, but he was a he's a little character because he would learn new spells like as you get further on, further in the game. But like his draw was using that recall spell, mm-hmm. and th- so it was a random spell that he cast, and sometimes it'd be, and then sometimes I he just also wouldn't. don't so know if that is in the remake only. Oh yeah, they added a lot of stuff in the remake. Yeah, they did. I liked, so. so I guess I should talk about the remake. I I actually I tried playing the remake again, and I played it the first time and I enjoyed it, mm-hmm. but I found that the second time I played the remake, I just I just didn't like it as much. For Why? some reason, these 2D sprites had so much more charm to me than these 3D sprites. Would you say that nostalgia was quite powerful for you in this case? It's probably a pretty scr- strong possibility. Okay. But uh, How many I times just, did you play Final Fantasy IV? Man, I played it like at least 10 times now. Yeah. I'm going to go with nostalgia <laughs> overriding your common sense. Pro- probably. I don't know. I mean, there's voice acting in the remake. Come on, man. Yeah, but the voice acting was very, like, melodramatic. and Yeah, but so was that game. That's ridiculous. That game is the best story ever told. Hella soap opera melodramatic. My goodness, that game was, yeah. Come on. Come on. There was a Spoonie Bard. Don't be hating. <laughs> I love this game. I I like this. I like the game too, but it, it definitely isn't one of my favorites. Another game changer, okay, battle wise or gameplay wise, okay, is the optimize button or selection where you can optimize your equipment. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that was so nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, <laughs> it's funny well, because can... it, it was a feature that was added that. Like it was trying to speed up like inventory sorting mm-hmm. or whatever, right? But at the same time, it was one of those things that they added that and then don't so- tell me what to do. Yeah, kind of, kind of the same way. Because no, sometimes they would put you equipment on, do. and I'd be like, "No, I need the 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 oh, ice yeah, sword." Yeah, yeah. Because I remember like uh, there's like the blood sword. Mm-hmm. Like it kept on equipping that one, and I didn't want that one equipped. Or no, actually. I'm pretty sure it equipped a sword that's slightly stronger by one of the blood sword because it's nice. I needed my health back. Yeah. Yeah. So the blood sword, you would attack and then you would regain that amount of HP back. So it's a better weapon. Right. Just more not, functionality. Just not stat wise. Yes. So. Um. So yeah, it was a it was definitely a first iteration of that, and it was pretty cool. 
Mm-hmm. It worked really well, um, considering what it was trying to do. It was just trying to maximize stats, like you said. Um, plus, it probably had an algorithm per character saying, hey, you probably want more strength on this character or you want more defense on this one. So here's how Well, we later on uh, in later games, and I don't know if it's a Final Fantasy game or not, but some of the games add uh, optimize for strength, optimize for defense. Mm-hmm. Which, or balanced. Yeah. Yep. I do not recall which game that was in, um, but I do I recall seeing it, though. Um, it might have been probably closer to like the PlayStation ones. I know, I know the uh, the Xenoblade games do that, mm-hmm. but that's the only one I can think of offhand. I know, I know plenty of them do that. Um, it's so, not a Final Fantasy exclusive thing. No. So uh, let's talk about some of these classes. So Final Fantasy IV did not explicitly give classes. They did, so, huh? They did. When I say not explicitly, it wasn't that a character. It was almost like the class was just a personality type. And then, of course, they had the abilities associated with it. But it wasn't like Cecil, Dark Knight. It mm-hmm. was Cecil. Well, who just I happened mean, to be a Dark Knight. Let's be realistic. Dark Knight, Cecil. Okay, he might have been Knight the worst is, example. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he's like, that's like central to the first part of the story. Right. Well, okay, then let's just go with like Palum and Porum. They're just, they're magic casters. One's black and one, they don't say white mage and black mage, but that's what they are. Hmm. When they introduce them, they might say it. I think they might say in introductions, but I don't think they, again, it's like, it's part of like, oh no, this is a person. They know the thing. That's what. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree. Cecil's I, I just, was the worst example because it was very <laughs> part. It was part of the story that he was, was what he was. Having fun playing devil's advocate. I know course. you tend to do that a lot. <laughs> so uh, Cecil is the unique in this one because he's the only one that has an actual class change. True. So originally he starts off as a dark knight, mm-hmm. and his power is darkness. As we, I think we kind of discussed all these in Final Fantasy Three podcast. So, excuse me. Yes. So the darkness spell essentially sacrifices your health in order to inflict damage on all enemies. Yeah, I think it was introduced in three as Dark Side. I think is the name of the and, attack. And I actually think that in the original Final Fantasy four or two remake mm-hmm. or game, I don't think he had the darkness spell. Yeah, I'm thinking that all these special abilities per their classes came into the remake. Well, I think I think when he was, I think in the original Final Fantasy IV for Japan, I think they had the darkness spell or ability, but I think they took it out for because, international. Yeah, because they probably thought like, "Ooh, well, we don't want to have an attack that takes away HP. That might be too confusing." That's weird. <sighs> Dumb American. Oh, you know, actually, um, I forgot. So the reason why they they dumbed it down. Is because they thought so. Americans never played two and three, mm-hmm. and they thought the ramp up from one to four was was too big. They did, but Japan actually had the got to play two and three. So they got so to they had a bit of a ramp classes up and everything. Yeah, so they had a ramp up of of the game. So so it's not as bad as it sounds. Well, okay. So or do, do we are we talking about each individual person's characters and whatnot or yeah we can class? talk about it quickly okay so Cecil Dark Knight to a paladin, paladin. um so went Which from being completely changes, dark yeah to complete changes light. Com- character completely it's funny though because they don't keep your you don't keep your level you actually have to re-level mm-hmm. that character which is it's 
they very very uh smartly they give you a trek back to the place that you're supposed to go and slowly but surely you even out your level yeah pretty much um because these these creatures aren't super strong or they're not like weak but they're not strong enough to be able to to kill you instantly well, even le- level one paladin is is feels almost as powerful as the current level dark knight Kind of in its own little way, mm-hmm. but also it does help that a lot of the enemies on the way back and on that mountain are some, or a lot of them, some of them are weak to dart or weak right. to light anyways. So he gets a, a critical oh, and boost. Oh, you get an extra that. character on the way down too. I forgot about that. Whom? I think it's Yang. I thought you got Yang on the way up. Oh, actually you don't at all. Oh, no, you don't get a character. I was wrong. I don't know, man. Go listen it's to been me. a while. But Tella remembers some of his spells. That's maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like having another character, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then as a paladin, he gets access to white, uh, white magic and still and cover and cover, which is like a really big ability that constantly is being used in all the other other games that use classes. Is that one a passive, or do you have to? I you have to actually select. You have cover, to select which, cover, which makes it a little pointless. Yes, it's definitely an ability that needs to be passive. Remember what I was saying before. The economic of turns, if you in mm-hmm. eco- economics of turns, anyways, that you have to like think about if you're using an attack, you lose an attack, or if you're using an attack to do like a status ability, it needs to do something as well that turn and not just be waiting to be to be triggered or whatever. Especially something as random as that, because they have it to where it's supposed to protect everybody below, like in hazard health, if you will, like right. when their health is yellow instead of white. Um. And maybe it is. It doesn't always in that, work in that instance. Maybe you can select. I, just, I, can't I think remember, you. Choose, I think you do cover. It becomes like a status effect on you, and then it covers for the next couple turns. I'm not really sure. Um. So let's see. And then on to the next person. Are we going to just do all the physical ones first? Yeah. Let's just name them all off. So uh, you have Kane, who's a dragoon. Uh, he's one of the, the greatest classes ever. Yeah. He uses the jump ability. Uh, Edge, who's a ninja, he can throw, steal, and do ninjutsu. Of which course. technically is kind of a magic oriented chi Does that make oriented him? okay chi oriented uh then you have yang who's a monk and he does kick focus and brace which is prevent death and and that's definitely added to the 3ds version mm-hmm. uh then you have sid who's an engineer and he can analyze and this is also part of the 3ds version he can upgrade which that's where you change the element of a weapon uh Change element of weapon using item. Oh, okay. Got it. Sure. I can read. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> uh, is there any of them that stand out to you that's different from Final Fantasy 3 that we already kind of discussed? I think Yang um, with his kick ability. That was kind of a, a game changer. I kept Yang in my party for a while simply because he could he could do an attack that hit everybody. Um, and I'm all about the, the AoE attacks. Area of effect. And, there, and then not just that. Okay, so there was no engineer character mm-hmm. in Final Fantasy III, which it's kind of a weird character. I mean, his special ability is analyze. Which is kind of, I mean, one of the running themes in most Final Fantasies going forward from the class-based Final Fantasies, they all tend to merge classes together mm-hmm. in order to establish characters. And most of the Final Fantasies, not, a, not including Final Fantasy V, um, they will make them inherently a type of character without right. ever giving them that title. 
except for nine, Vivi is named as a black mage, but that's right. because black mages have a very important part in that story. Um, but yeah, if you're going forward, like if you look at other characters, it's definitely like, hmm, we kind of want him to have a paladin-esque. We want him to have maybe some of these, but kind of m- maybe we want to make him more of a warrior. Mm. But most of the time, it's just taking it's, all their archetypes and right. stuffing it It's together. more about building that character than the actual yeah. like class type. And making it seem as natural as possible right. within the within the world. Right. Um, which would be kind of a fun little exercise to go through and kind of name the classes of all these mm-hmm. main characters. That they all mix together with. Yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy... Well, we can get to Final Fantasy IX, we can get to Final Fantasy IX. But, exactly. Uh, and then the magic-oriented jobs. Uh, you have Rosa, which she's pretty much a stereotypical white mage, but she did mix Archer and white mage, yes. actually. That's so what I was going to say. She had a bow. As so instance cool. of that. Uh, and then, well, then there's... Uh, do you call it Radia or Rita? I don't know what I call her. I think I always call I her Rita. I think I always call her Rita. Yeah, I think that's how you're supposed to say it. But when I was a kid, it it was Rita. So that's Whatever how it works, is in my man. head. Yeah. So um, uh, as a as a kid, uh, she can use just I believe it's just white magic and summon. Mm-hmm. But then when she becomes an adult, she can use white magic, black magic, and summon, mm-hmm. which makes her a, a summoner. White maids, black. Or no, a sage? summoner. I think that's mage? the sage from Final Fantasy III. Yeah, kind of. But as we said, we just kind of they—they're just kind of merging. And yeah, they're kind of doing whatever they think would be good for that character, and right. and kind of at the time, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, when she was a kid, you couldn't take away, you couldn't give her black magic, and uh, take away. Oh, maybe maybe she did have it. I don't know, man. I don't really remember. Uh, but well, it makes sense that they didn't because then that would take away from having Tella right. as your black as your black mage. Right. Uh, even though he can use white magic and black magic, but he was still more of the... I always thought of him more as the offensive character. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have Edward that is the bard. He uses the bard song, Hide and Solve. Mm-hmm. Salve? Salve. S-A-L-V. And, yeah, Palom and Porum, and they use black magic and white magic. Respectively. And they use twin cast, which is the first time, I believe, that they use two characters together to burn a turn the to do a more powerful attack. I mean, didn't this come out sh- uh, right in the time frame of Chrono Trigger? Chrono Trigger know. came out after Final Fantasy VI. Really? Yeah. I thought it came out before that. My bad. Yeah, Chrono Trigger came out basically I don't remember what one of the, I think uh, they just finished the Dragon Quest game. They just finished Final Fantasy VI and these developers didn't have anything to do so they got together and had some fun, essentially. Hmm. Uh, then you also have Fusoya, which is like a weird name, but his class is just called Lunarian. But he could use white magic, black magic, region, and bless. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, in that Kotaku uh, magazine or article, I was talking about uh, he was talking about how Tella, like he was all strongly struggling to use Meteor, and then Fusoya, like he can totally use that as just his regular attack. Because why not? Because why not? Why not? We've already spent all the time getting here. We might as well just leave it. <laughs> um, so this game, you know, we, we kind of hinted at it. We've kind of basically said it. But the gameplay and story really go hand in hand in this game. Yes. Um, you, This game, you don't get to pick your party members. 
Uh, no, that was. I don't think you really get to do that until until Six. later dungeons. Well, I mean, that's in the remake. Okay. So the ri- and that would that's only like the final dungeon on the remakes where you can select different party members. Gotcha. Yeah. But uh so was, I mean realistically it was, it was 6 was the one where they decided that you, they want you to be able to select different party members. Hmm. But for the original, you know, like you're you'll lose party members and right. this is who you have. And that's that's really huge on gameplay because first of all, like you might have a limited party or you'll have a limited amount of magic users. Yeah. Um, and then it also kind of like forces you to do certain strategies. Yeah. Um, it was definitely, I could see it. Uh, the reason why they wouldn't like, uh, like the, I can see why they wouldn't want you to use multiple party members because they're probably looking at it from their perspective of balance and just making sure that if we, if we give them an overwhelming amount of, or access to an overwhelming amount of casters, then because this boss has a weakness to Too a certain spell, and, yeah. then they could easily kill the boss. Whereas if we limit things and we force them to only have one caster and most physical things, then that caster can identify that. And then mm. maybe we force them to have search the dungeon a little bit more. So they had to, so they can use uh, like the like thunder sword, sword that they find. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this when we get to Final Fantasy VI, but one thing you will notice when they do add these extra party members is the fact that as far as magic goes, anybody can cast any magic spell. In Final Fantasy IV? In Final Fantasy VI. Six. Oh, yeah. And then you'll see Final Fantasy Seven. You can switch party members, but everybody can do the same spells, so on and so forth. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and with that, let's take a break. A break? Yes, it's like 60 minutes in. Let's do it. Sweet. We've gone like 40 minutes without a break. Sweet. <laughs> and we're back. And now that we're was gonna... lame. Hey, we're back. Still lame. <laughs> but I guess we're back, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to talk about the the story a bit. And did you know, Will, that the game script was reduced reduced to a fourth of the original game script due to cartridge size? I did not know that. Yeah. I would like to know what other stories they had to tell. Yeah. Because they told a lot of stories Mm -hmm. in Final Fantasy IV. But it probably explains why the story is so, like, it just moves along at, you know, you said rocket speed. The breakneck pace. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that could explain some things. Yeah. So, a lot of the story um kind of like the the motivating factors for a lot of these characters comes from tragedy. Yes. In the story. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I guess I guess with Cecil it's not really tragedy. He's more so so dealing with the guilt of the things he's done. Still considered a tragedy though. Okay. Um considering all the people that he uh had a hand in their their um, demise, if you will. That's true. Uh, Yang loses loses family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Redia loses family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tella loses family. Mm-hmm. Edward loses a lover. Mm-hmm. Palm and Porum. Uh, they're not necessarily tragedy, but they're involved in tragedy. Yeah, okay. their their village or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So let's kind of make it clear. We're trying to do our best not to completely spoil this game, yeah. but we are going to hint at things that may have happened in the game. Um, I'm trying to use terminology that is rather vague, but at the same time, kind of. One of the characters is the Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah, it's hard that, but but some of them. It's really funny because pretty much all these characters have tragedy, and then there's Sid, who's just like, "I'm the crazy engineer guy." Yeah, he's the he's the kooky friend. Of yeah, the, friend of the family kind of thing. And then there's Rosa, who's pretty much just the damsel in distress throughout the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. The, by giving love, her, interest, damsel in distress. They try to give her a little bit of power, but it's definitely overwritten by the fact that they constantly put her in mm-hmm. in harm's but way. But I can't, I can't think Cecil of, though. I don't think of a, I can't think of a moment they give her. You know, yeah, they it's, didn't, they didn't really give her any moments mm-hmm. other than her. Oh, I wonder how Cecil's doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cecil, save me. Please. Well, at least at the same time, you have uh, uh, Redia. Yeah, she's not a damsel in distress at all. Actually, yeah. she's very much like a uh, bad man pajama. Mm-hmm. I, I got all like you, uh, like pretty much. She was coming after. She Cecil. has great. Uh, she has really good character growth for herself. Like literally, she goes <laughs> from a kid to an adult. Dude, that's a big spoiler. Okay, somebody grows up. <laughs> Um. Oh, let's spoil another game and let's just like tuck this into this game or into this story. <laughs> into this podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> that way, like somebody's gonna like listen to this and then they're gonna go through and play the other game. And they're gonna be like, "What the heck? <laughs> Why did they spoil that?" I'm gonna do it anyways. So it's funny. Is it always reminds me of like the the aging thing? Always reminds me of a, cha- uh, a character named Esmeralda. Um, in a game that oh, starts yeah. with an X mm-hmm. um, and how like at the end of the game if you do things correctly and you talk to her in a specific mm-hmm. place right. suddenly she becomes like a grown woman and for some reason they decided that clothes aren't like truly a necessity so they kind of gave her like scraps it, it's it's a weird costume you have to look at it look yeah at I have it. to look at it again it's it's very anime mm-hmm. I mean that whole game is very anime but it's brilliant it's exactly um yeah. Anyways, that's what it remi- always reminds me of the 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 maturity thing. But also, I think this game they they use that maturity thing as a way to. It was still it was still ended up being a plot point. Esmeralda was also a plot point because mm-hmm. they explained some of her backstory. It was kind of a side quest pl- uh, plot point though. But yeah, well, it, it was still Xenogears very had important. A lot of those though, Xenogears yeah. had a lot of people who, if you talk to them more and you followed them along and you mm-hmm. did certain things with them, you'll they, find out their history, and you can find out pretty much how they're connected to you and connected yep. to all the the things in that game. I was gonna, about to give up, but we one of the biggest plot points for that <laughs> one. So let's not do that. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, that one was a good a good growth thing for her. Yeah, but everybody's stories they were. I like the straight pass that they took, though. Like, there was very little... What game are you talking about right now? In 4, sorry. I like the... In in Final Fantasy 4, the straight pass that a lot of the Mm -hmm. characters took. There wasn't too much, like, divergence from the path. There was the one character that changed classes at the beginning of the game. But even then, that almost seemed like a natural progression for him. The moment he discovered in the opening sequence that what he was doing, he did not agree with. 
Like right. at that point, you kind of knew there's no way he can become. And they like they really emphasized that he was a dark knight, mm-hmm. dark knight with dark sword and yeah. a dark armor, and like they really like <laughs> t- piled it on. And then just for his personality to be like, I'm not really that dark, you know. <laughs> um, and then slowly but surely they hit you with the oh, so he doesn't think he's dark, so you probably shouldn't be playing a dark character. Um, yeah, let's make that story. Um, let's go like make him him realize that he shouldn't be dark anymore. Yeah. But um, but everybody else's stories were very like, this person did a thing. Here's the consequences. Here's how here's we my deal motivation. With it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, I think one of the only characters that I can see that had kind of a roundabout thing um was Yang, and I think it's because they kind of introduced him, and then they got rid of him for a little bit, and then they like reintroduced him. And then there was that point where something happens to him and then you have to go find him again. You mm. know what I mean? So like his story did kind of feel like And cook him stuff with a frying pan. Yes. Um so okay, his story kind of seemed like maybe one of the stories that got cut. Maybe. because um, it did seem like he disappeared in huge chunks of the story. Right. Um and then when you found him it was like Oh no no, I was I'm I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do the I thing. like when they disappear and they come back like <laughs> they're like all right i was in the party before but yeah i can't do this anymore guys yeah you got to deal with it yourself i'm just gonna yeah. chill in my own castle exactly i got responsibilities it, it, we're doing like the best we possibly can do to like give away this whole story without giving away anything and it's actually i think we're doing really good well it's a it's a pretty straightforward for straightforward story it's mm-hmm. it's the whole evil empire where you know originally you think that the main character thinks that the the you know this evil empire is not all that bad they think they're doing good they're trying mm-hmm. to they're, they're trying bringing to secure order to the world yeah they're bringing order to the world they're trying to secure peace and then mm-hmm. the threads start to unravel and you realize oh they are the bad guys and and, and, and that's kind of been then, a theme for Final fantasy games yeah but even then like the nice thing about four is they they subvert their own, like, tropes half the time. I mean, because if you think about it, the evil empire isn't really an evil empire as much as it is the pawn of somebody else. You right. know what I mean? And then even after that, there's a pawn of somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so, so the story kind of, it does one of those things where, again, I really now knowing that they cut a lot of the story for cartridge size, I feel like there's so much more in there that maybe they were supposed to explain, like that connect these threats together. Right. But it did kind of feel, <laughs> I suppose for all we know, like the original concept for the story is all like Xenogears esque. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with like, uh, with like a religious, uh, cult and sect yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Who knows? In, in ancient history. Well, technically ancient history is involved in it, but yeah. Um, I, I really, I liked the story. I would say it's not my favorite because it did seem like it was their first foray into making these epic yeah, stories. It, and it feels like a, it feels like a Marvel movie. Like, not like the, like an older Marvel movie. It's where, accessible. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's very entertaining. It it never, it's never really dull. You no, know, no, that game it Not moves along pretty quick. There mm-hmm. are some slow parts, but every RPG has slow parts, and I think that it's needed sometimes. I mean, it definitely the, has. I, I don't want to spoil it, but it definitely has a few really dark moments where you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah, but so does Marvel movies. That's true the thing as well. is darkness um when i say ebb and flow again with the story it's a nice thing because you can't if you continue at the breakneck pace for the whole game mm-hmm. then it 
would could wow i got a burp um it would cause fatigue with the player because right. then they're like do i ever get a break when can, when can i actually <laughs> save down. the game yeah but it does have those moments and that's yeah. kind of when it breaks off into more of an open world mm-hmm. that's and when you get the airship Yep, and then you also get like just things by explaining certain characters' things. Once people, when they're experiencing loss, the game does slow down pretty right. quickly. Um, almost sometimes, like hitting the brakes a little too hard because mm-hmm. you're like going, 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 and all of a sudden it's like. Err! Well, at the and same time, we're all pausing for a yeah. while. But in this game, there's nothing really to tell you where to go next. Yes, so it makes a lot of sense to just kind of go, 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 go. Because there's a possibility you may not even go in the right direction. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's big events. And yeah. so you're not going to forget about these big events and right. what needs to happen next. Yeah. So. In the in the 3DS and the um, mobile and the Steam version, though, what the, one of the things they do is when you go into the menu, a little bubble pops up next to the main character or your oh, yeah, party yeah. member's head. And it kind of hints at to what you should be doing next or whatever. Right. Like, I wonder what's happening at this place. <laughs> um, or like, I hope so-and-so is all right. And then that's supposed to be your hint towards oh uh edward was supposed to be here let yeah. me go here that kind of thing um which is yeah. essential to newer games but i mean for that time they did a great job of yeah propelling it forward yeah because as we get into newer gaming people are stupider <laughs> they hold your hand more actually you know what it is um i'll take that back it's not because people are stupider i think it's because we have so much of a wealth of games that we're constantly playing a whole bunch of things we need indicators as to where we're supposed to be in the game anyways but but not just that um a lot of us a lot of these gamers that played these games when they're younger Mm -hmm. had tons of free time exactly and now we're adults yeah and and we got and if you're playing it on 3DS, maybe you played it, you picked it up. Maybe you only played it when you were on the bus. Maybe you mm-hmm. only played it when you're taking vacations. Right. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about, like, when they have their Switch, that, yeah, they play their Switch sometimes at home, but their Switch is, like, when they're taking trips or, like, when they're when they're out on business and they're at a, their Switch is their hotel console. Like, they, that's when they play their Switch. So a lot of the games, maybe it's better for to have a quest log, to have all these things. Uh, integrate into the game to ensure that whenever you're playing and you put the game down for a while and you pick it up, you don't have to like go back into your memory to figure out like the story plot points. You're just like, Oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. That makes yeah, sense. Now yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, for this story out of the first four that we have reviewed so far, what would you say? What would you say? Like, where if would I'm you rating place it, it compared to those? Where would you place it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a 10. It's no, 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 not, by, not by, Numbers. I'm talking about. There's four stories. Oh, Where it's would you easily put, the you best put one. Oh yeah. Okay. Easily. You didn't like three story. I like three story. Okay. Yeah. I didn't like the ending of three story. Yeah. Um. Even though the endings are similar. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. There's just. It just doesn't hold that special place in my heart. Again, nostalgia is a powerful thing. We oh, talked yeah. about it in the very first episode of the show. Um. And we may even revisit it as a, as like a nostalgia redux or something. I don't know. I mean, probably, probably not. But maybe not. I don't know. But probably we will. I mean, eventually we're going to run out of stuff to talk about. I highly doubt that. <laughs> Your boy can talk forever. That's true. Um. So, let's move on to... A break. What you have next, which is... Which like is a break. a break. Oh, my gosh. Look at that. I guess we're back. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to do something, but uh, I'm boring today. It's okay. 
Uh, well, it's been a while since we've done this, so yeah. we're probably rusty. Which is crazy how you can get rusty in only, only like a month time. I'm not rusty. You're rusty. I'm rusty. It's I'm been fine. a long time since I left you. Uh, <laughs> don't beat the step two. Step two. That yeah, was pretty blatant music plug. Yeah. So uh, I yeah. thought about it earlier and I just didn't do it. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Uh, so some of the first of the series, and we already talked about the ATB system, mm-hmm. um, and then we kind of talked about how this is the first one to have predefined characters mm-hmm. that have set classes. Can I already talk about that? Uh, yes, with set classes. Okay. Uh, this is the first game to have a music theme for each character. Yes. Can we talk about how Nobuo Matsu did like super good, very gangster music for this game? <laughs> yeah, this is your moment. Yeah, it's so good. It His really themes is. are like out, they blow out of the park. There's there's so many songs on the soundtrack mm-hmm. compared to previous iterations. And I think it's funny thing. It seems kind of a running thing that every progressive game gets more songs. Um, though if you think about it and you really listen to them, a lot of them are reiterations of the previous games, anyways. Which I'm fine with because the games are already the themes were already good, and now they're playing even more high fidelity with what more, what one stands out to you in this game. Who's theme? Oh, shoot. Okay, so I had to give myself a refresher real quick. Um, we listened to Rose's theme, which is really good. I'll uh, pause. That's the one I think of, of the most whenever I think of that game. It's not my favorite, but it's the one I think of the most. And I'll pause it for a second. I'll play Rose's theme right here. Um, then I was thinking the theme that I liked the most probably, well, ne- let's not go themes. I like the battle musics for most Final Fantasy games. They're, they're always like so great, so energetic. They always fit so well with the stories themselves. Um, some of them just completely, uh, they just, they stand out like really well, really well from the rest of the soundtrack. Um, Final Fantasy IV is no exception. I did like. I think I liked more like the specific themes for for certain uh, enemies, like the four fiends. I liked their themes. I liked. Um, oh, we forgot to talk about Ru- uh, Rubicant. Yeah, that's fine. Play the uh, game, people. It's all good. It's a very good game. I would yeah. I would recommend playing it. Um, again, not my favorite, but it is. It does not d- disregard its its greatness. Um, the final boss, uh, the final boss theme, really, really good. Uh, but my, I think my favorite uh, song from that game was the illusionary world, and I, I think it's because it was like, it was really, it's like really solemn, kind of like Rose's theme as well. Mm-hmm. But it, it has like a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It, it's weird. It's like it's, Rose's theme is like it's it's emotional, but mm-hmm. the illusionary theme is like chill it's so weird uh, it's uh it's desolate
I like it. I like it. Um, it, it does give you feels. We, we, we thought it was really funny, though, because we played the Rosa one, and then we went straight to the uh, Radio one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it almost sounds the same in a way. Um, well, the, the nice thing about it, and, and with Nobuo Yamato as a composer, is that he's very um, he's very blatant about making sure that these themes sound like they're from the same game. Right. Um, he uses a lot of... Uh, well, we're like Rosa sounds hopeful, and then Radia's kind of seems like it's despair and sorrow. Yeah, but still using, um, still remaining in the same um, relative keys. Yeah, um, and I guess I could play both of those as well, um, or play Radia's as well. <laughs> it's, I'll, it's I'll do so a lot funny of cutting. That you can, yeah, it's always funny to me because you know I'm not a music person, but it's always funny to me that you can draw words or emotion like. You can think of the word that this mm-hmm. s- music draw comes or draws out. You know. Yeah. The thing is, Final Fantasy IV had a lot of like despair kind of themes, but it also had a lot of very upbeat, like positive, like super po- yeah, super festive themes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like Sid's theme was really good. Um, then there's the the King of the Dwarves theme. His his uh his oh. theme's pretty good too. <laughs> the tally ho. Uh yeah. Um. I, and that didn't start in this one. Actually, that, I think that one started in four. Tally. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh no, sorry, that or started three. in three. Yeah. No, three? actually, might have been in one. Um, I think no. I didn't play enough of two to know if it's in there. Anyways, I know it was in three. Um, what other first do we have coming to the series? And uh, well, this is the only one. Other one I really found was uh, this is the first one to use mode seven. Oh, yeah. Mode 7? Yeah, so Mode 7 is kind of like, okay, if you think about all these old Final Fantasies, they're using just 2D sprites and everything. Mode 7 is something that was used in Star Fox, I believe, originally. Yeah. And what Um, it did is it gave gave this illusion of 3D, and and pretty much it drew everything at an angle and gave the illusion of space by using um, kind of like a fog, and then it, it loaded... It loaded everything. I loaded the tiles in using perspective calculation. It's a weird thing. I can't fully explain the programming that goes behind it. <laughs> um, but funny thing is the engine that I'm working on of Destiny and Fade in, there's several people that have tried to work to actually implement Mode 7 into into the RPG Maker games. Um, Success? Um, some have got it to work, but it takes a lot of finagling to get it to work for um, existing projects. You usually have to build a special project for right. it um, because of the way the tiles are loaded in and because of like uh, the the view angle of things. Because you might end up just having to do a completely new tile set because of how it works. Um, I mean, if you really think about it, it's just like uh, Mode 7 is kind of like taking the camera that is otherwise in a 2d world pointing straight down right and then ever so slightly tilting it up at a 45 degree angle and almost giving yourself an isometric view of a 2d world which is when the like when you get in the airship that's what it does that's what it does that it's, it flattens it out or it's funny. It, it, well, it looks it like angles it out yeah yeah you're right it, it gives it more angle and yeah it's interesting yeah. and they further iterated that in five it makes and, it look like the six. camera is moving yeah but and it's six, not but it's not no you're pretty much kind of in the same spot and everything is scrolling around you. Tricky. Yes. I, oh, you got to love the fact that these programmers maximized and probably had to add no, more chips to the cartridges in order to, in order oh, to yeah. get the, the things out of it. Well, I mean, they said they maxed out the cartridge. Yeah. 
So, and considering that four maxed out that cartridge and five ended up looking even better and six looked even better, which means that they probably had to figure out more tricks mm-hmm. to the trade. But yeah, anything else first? For the they series? No, no, no. Uh, so now we're on to did you know? So did you know what? <laughs> did I know what? I don't know. So I this, know all the things. So this uh, this game has sold about four million copies now, which is good or bad well it's four it's Final Fantasy 4 it sold 4 million copies of course of course it is so we'll see if Final Fantasy 5 can pull off 5 million we'll see when we get there yeah I won't or you can check on the Googles <laughs> there you go uh, alright so this game had last names for some of its characters whom uh, do you know any of them no I didn't know anybody had last names do you know Cecil's last name just think nothing Cecil Darkside. <laughs> no. So I'll just go through it. So uh, there is Cecil Harvey, which... Weird. Yeah. Okay. There's Kane Highwind. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. Dang it. See, so you did know that they were in there. Uh, there's Rosa Farrell. Nope. Uh, so Edge, his name is actually Edward Geraldine. And the reason why his name is Edge is because Ed... And then there's the GE Geraldine. for Geraldine. Yeah. Wow. So there's actually two Edwards in this game. Lazy writing. <laughs> and then Edward's name is Edward Chris Von Muir. Kind of makes sense. He's a person. <laughs> and no. then, uh, well, you probably remember this one too. Uh, Yang Fang Ludane. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> they actually say that in there. Really? Uh, yeah, and then... My uh, name is Yang Fang Ladang. Oh, man, I don't know how to say this. Sid Polandina? Didn't... So, did they give did, just the main, main main characters, I guess? Or how do, how do they justify that? Well, I, I don't know. Like, Tella didn't have a last name. Palm Porm didn't. Uh, Redia didn't have a last name. I, I think uh, this might be something that... Well, I know, like, they definitely said, said Kane Highwind. Right. Because you definitely that. remember hearing that. And I do wonder if sometimes, or like when I found this, I do wonder if maybe like um, like Gang, you never hear his full name, but the king is called King Feng Luden or something like that. Mm. And then you kind of figure out like, oh, that's that's his last name. Okay. I don't remember enough. It's not important stuff. <laughs> Seems important. Yeah. Um. So, did you know that the the 3D After Years... Oh, okay, sorry. I should back up. So, Final Fantasy IV has a sequel called Final Fantasy IV The After Years. Yes, probably one of the most, like... I feel like it's really contested as to why they would have done that to a well, game that kind well, of ended. But whatever. Yeah. Well, it was released as a, as a mobile game. Yeah, It was that. related, ported, ported to a PSP and mm-hmm. as Final Fantasy Complete. Mm-hmm. And it even came with the Final Fantasy IV interlude that connected Final Fantasy IV and the After Years. Right. The interlude part. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it. I don't really remember it. Oh, you it. played the After Years? Yeah, I beat it. I don't really remember wow. it. But Isn't it just a rehash of the other story through like relatives or something? No, it's our kids. Okay. And then you actually play as the actual characters too. Like you'll... Like all the characters that you have in the first one... Um, Unless they're like dead at the end of it, you can play them in the in the second one, and then you get to play as their kids too. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't remember who else, who else kids. Who, oh, he definitely plays Yang's kid. He plays Cecil and Rose's kid. Um, I don't remember the rest. I just hmm. wanted to know if... if uh, oh, I can't talk about it. It's a spoiler. Two yeah. characters ever hook up. They didn't. Stupid. Mm. <laughs> but there's actually a 3D remake of the After Years for the, for the iOS. Mm-hmm. I had no freaking clue. I think you can get it on, on Steam, Steam as well. Yeah, I was I'm not I'm not gonna do that. I'm, gonna go I'm still trying to right get now. through the main game. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Wow. That's all? Yeah. That's all the did you knows? I thought you had like a lot. I thought you were gonna be like, Did you know that Cecil's based on Tom Cruise? <laughs> no, I didn't dive that far into it. I bet okay. I bet I could have, but no, and by the way, in case anybody's really wondering, Cecil is not based off of Tom Cruise. As far Are you as sure? I know. As far as I, I can't know, wait to find out that he is. Yeah, just so I can s- weirdly be right about it. No, <laughs> I don't want to be right about that. It seems weird. <laughs> it does seem weird. That's why it would be weirdly be right about no, it. I, I felt like, uh, well, last time the podcast took like two hours. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, maybe I'm doing a little too much research because that's a long podcast. There's never too much research, especially when it comes to these early Final Fantasies because I believe there's n- a lot of people don't know a lot about the early mm-hmm. ones. And I think as we're getting into the ones that were definitely more in the public conscience, like four um, or two at the time, um, I think five maybe might be a little bit longer because we're going to be delving into a lot more of the... Uh, the classes introduced in that well that's game. the thing it's it's kind of a rehash of uh of three so Ooh. maybe I'll, yeah so maybe i'll go back and and look at the ones that are new yes or changed and we can um, talk about that instead and then also it helps also that final fantasy V actually has a pretty epic story as well that i mean i guess that spans two worlds it's okay and two dimensions maybe it's okay that's pretty good it just didn't have the same nostalgia well like i said i didn't you, you didn't we didn't get to play it until True. After like Final Fantasy Seven's out, you know. True, 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 so. true. That being said, is this a game yes. that you recommend playing? Yes. Nowadays. Yes. If so, what format do you recommend playing it in? Oh, you should definitely play it for Super Nintendo when it was called Final Fantasy Two. I can't tell if you're serious. <laughs> no, you just play. Uh, I I personally did not like the 3DS version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I way prefer the the sprite version so so psp then yeah psp the final fantasy complete okay um for me i do recommend playing it um but i do also recommend putting aside time to play it this is not a short game it's not i mean 20 hours huh it's like 20 hours that's 20 hours if you're rushing through it (laughs) yeah that's a little bit longer yeah, but if you're like a casual player, this is a easily a 40, a 40, 50 hour game. Um, also considering that the game does not necessarily hold your hand as to where to go. Certain mm-hmm. times you will backtrack because you're like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Um, but that being said, I do recommend the game. It is a good game uh, to play. Very epic story. I recommend the Steam version because of the, the voice acting um, and the cinematics. I thought they were pretty good. Um it's one of the few games where they were able to modernize the game and didn't completely mess it up. I do agree that there are certain things that weren't that great. They have an auto battle system in this game as well. What? Yeah. So what happens is if you press auto battle, it will use skills that you assigned to the characters in mm-hmm. the menu. So you can tell them, I want Cecil to always be doing cover, every attack, whatever, right? So when you click auto battle, he'll always do cover. 
um, you can always have you can you can assign any ability to their auto ability. And so pretty much if you're doing if you're grinding, you find an area, everybody's weak against lightning, you're probably gonna auto battle everybody to do lightning attacks, probably gonna be close to a save point. You go save the game, whatever. That being said, I, I think it's a it's a really good modern iteration of a game that was already good with a lot of uh, quality of life changes that make things easier for people who, again, don't have that much time. And if they do have the time, it gives them some th- extra things to do as well. I think there's some bonus dungeons and whatever in there as well that were added in later versions of the game. So the moral of the story is go track down original Super Nintendo and hey, original Final Fantasy if you cartridge. Can, if you can, I would actually I would recommend that too, um, purely for the nostalgia aspect. But if you can't, the readily accessible version of the game that's not that expensive on Steam, I think it's like sixteen dollars or something like that. I wonder if I can get the Final Fantasy like the two D version on. I wonder if I can get the the After Years version on Steam. The three D After Years? No, 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 the two D one. No, I think the After Years on Steam is the three D S version. Oh, you know what? I got it on PS three. There you go. PS3. That's the way to go. If you still have a PS3. Cool beans. On that note, um, yep, we're done. Until next time, right? We're done. This was this was actually a really, really good episode. Good timing. Good. Yeah. And what is uh what I, I already Hopefully we can draw it up in like thirteen minutes. Yeah. I halfway closed the, the, the podcast already, but we usually try to fit in here what we're talking about next week. Oh, yeah, yeah, What yeah. are we talking about next week? Uh, so, since there's a lot of characters that uh, you think, or there's a lot of characters that die in this, this story, mm-hmm. and so I decided that we're going to do a podcast on moving forward despite loss. Okay, okay. That sounds really good. I think I need a better name for it, though, the, like, the put in the... I mean, we could just make it like tragedy and RPGs or something like that. Okay, that'll work. It's almost it's like tragedy I'm... and storytelling. Yeah. Well. Mm, mm, yeah. Because it's gonna be all storytelling. Well, yes, sure. So apparently, our podcasts are about Final Fantasy games, storytelling, the psychology of storytelling, and the philosophy behind it. Yes, in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. So this should be named a different thing. Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> until next yeah. time. Until next time.